Good morning. Get all my tools up here ready for you. Tim the Tool Man Taylor. How many remember that show? You know it's going to be a good message when I have safety goggles up here, so just so you know that. A couple cool things before we get into the message, and if you're a guest and I haven't met you, my name's Scott. I have the privilege of teaching this morning and being the pastor here at Novation, and just delighted that you chose to worship with us because our hope and prayer is that you meet Jesus or you re-encounter Jesus because he loves you so much that he gave his life for you. And um, he wants you to be whole. And that's what he's, we're going to talk about that this morning. But uh, um, one thing with Christy leading worship today, Mike Wygant usually is the, the leader. Um, he and Julie are out of town getting some good R&R in the new year for her birthday. But this summer, we got an email from Christy. And she said, you know, I sing a little and, and I've... I've, I've led worship, sort of, you know, kicked the ground, and all of a sudden we're like, God, what a gift, you know, she is, and what a gift Michelle is, and Ben, and so many folks that, that have talent to be able to lead us musically, so that's a gift. Um, it's God's grace, right, when he brings people to roll up their sleeves with us to, to share the good news with anybody that, that we can reach out to, right, to... Eight years ago to the very day, January 5th, 2012, I don't know what you were doing, but at five o'clock at night, I was in the janitor closet at Woodrow Wilson Academy where we used to meet. And it was our final like kind of prep service for our launch that was going to be the next week. So next week is actually our eighth um, birthday for Novation Church. So Maybe we'll do some cake or something. But yeah, eight years. It's unbelievable. And just thinking of all the things that God has done and the people that have, have been part of this. But on that day, I was in the, the uh, janitor closet, and we were trying to start on time, but there was this guy named Tim Tebow. Do you remember him? And he wouldn't lose a game. And so all of a sudden, they went into overtime with the Steelers, and yeah, They beat the Steelers, Frank. I'm looking at you. Um, They beat the Steelers on that first play of overtime, and I hear everybody erupt, ah, and I was like, I missed it. I I was in serving, of course, right, taking care of things. Um, Let's pray. Lord, you're so good. Help us to see that goodness. Open our hearts, open our eyes to your amazing love and goodness, your power. God, I pray for folks in this room that are carrying burdens, Lord, that you would just lift those burdens from them. Help us to cast our burdens upon you because you're the one who truly cares for us. God, I pray for those in this room that have questions about you and and Jesus and the church and and all of that, Lord. I pray that you you would introduce yourself to us fresh and new. Lord, as we go into this new year, we do so wanting to know our purpose, to know you more, and to, to, to love you and love people. In Jesus' name, amen. Bit of a American history trivia, all right? I guess it's American history trivia. Whose image is on the penny? 
There you go. Good job, class. Whose image is on the nickel? Thomas Jefferson. You didn't do so good on that one. <laughs> Whose image is on the dime? Don't show it. Anybody know? Well, that's up, 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 up. There you go. Franklin Roosevelt. Okay, don't show the quarter yet. Whose image is on the quarter? Yeah, you already saw it. Jeez, good job. Yep, George Washington. Here's a way more important question that you need to be able to answer, and I pray as you walk away today, you will have a whole new understanding. Whose image is on you? Whose image do you bear? You sure do. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, God had spoken the universe into being. Let there be light. Let there be the heavens. Let there be the stars. And then in verse 26, it says, Then God said, Let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish and the sea and the birds and the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals and over all the creatures that move along the ground. You are an image bearer of God. You're an image bearer of God. I don't care what you feel about yourself this morning. You need to be reminded that you bear the image of our creator. That's what we're going to talk about. We're in this a brand new series that is, we're kicking off called Mirrors. And in this series, we're going to look at how God created us to reflect who he is. That when he looks at you and I, he sees himself. He sees his characteristics. He sees us who bear, who bear his image. And we're going to talk about this for the next several weeks. And what does that mean? And what does that look like? All people bear the image of God, regardless of what your skin color is, what language you speak, everybody you see is an image bearer of God. That kills racism right there. Racism is out the door when you see somebody and you say, they bear the image of God. So important that we under, understand that. It's so important that we understand this truth that you bear the image of God. You want to talk about something that will give you dignity and give you some understanding about how and why God created you. I know the answer to this. How many want a full life? You want to live a full life. You want to live a life of purpose. You want to live a life that you bring glory to God. Understanding this truth will help you so much. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you four images to write down to talk about what does it mean to, to mirror God? What does it mean to be created in his image? And the first thing I want you to write down is the original image. We're going to look at that. The original image. People are born with dignity because we bear the image of God. It, it, the verse after the one I just read to you in verse 27 of Genesis 1 says, So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Now, I'm going to be referring to this a lot this morning, but here's a mirror. A mirror reflects light. Oh, hey, what's up? Uh, I saw myself. You see yourself. So I didn't mean to blind anybody there. But a mirror reflects light. It reflects an image, and that's how God created us. And so to bear his image, if you're taking little side notes, it's not on your notes, but to bear his image, 
keep this in mind all morning, is to reflect who he is and to represent who he is. That's what it means to be created in the image of God. God created us to reflect his image and to represent who he is here on this earth. We have, as image bearers, we have a unique status amongst all creation, a very unique status. Um, Recently, I was on an airplane, and it had snowed um, that morning. And so as we flew, we were flying southwest, not the airline, but we were flying in the direction of southwest. And so we went over the part of the Rocky Mountains, and there was this snow cap, right? Have you ever flown and looked out the window, and you just see the mountains? It's amazing. And then as we kept flying, we were getting to warmer temperatures, and all of a sudden, the mountains didn't have snow anymore, but they became like the desert-type mountains. And those are pretty cool, too. And I remember just thinking, God, that's amazing. You, you have created such beauty. And the thought hit me that the mountains are not created in his image. They're his artwork. They're his handiwork. But it's not created in his image. God set the universe into place, the stars and the planets and all of that, but they don't bear the image of God. They are God's artwork. Animals, as awesome as animals can be, right? They don't bear the image of God in the sense that only people, only humans of all of creation can reason, make choices that are not, don't have to be instinctual and just be led by our instincts. We can love um, and we have this creative ability. That's what it means to bear the image of God is to, to be like him. He created us with those abilities that, that the rest of creation doesn't have. So it's important that we understand the original image. Male and female, he created them to reflect the image of God. Second image I want you to write down is this, the broken image. The broken image. Or if you think to yourself, the broken mirror, the broken reflection, the shattered image. In Genesis chapter 2, God tells Adam this. It says, he took the man and put him in the garden to work it and to take care of it. And the Lord God commanded the man, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat of it, you will certainly die. So God says, listen, all these trees you are free to eat from. To eat, they're yours. But he had this, this will be the tree. He had this tree that he said, this is my tree. It's the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Don't eat from it. And if you do, if you disobey me, if you don't let me lead you in this, you'll die. And we know what happens in the next chapter, right? In Genesis chapter 3, the deceiver comes to Eve and says, Get, does, every time you're tempted, you're going to be tempted in two ways. The first one was she, he, the, Satan comes to, to Eve and says, did God really say that you'll die if you eat of that tree? And she answers right, and she says, yeah, he, he certainly did say that. And then he does the second way of temptation is he gets you, first he gets you to question God's word. The second part is he gets you to question God's character. And he says, you won't die. 
God knows that if you eat of the, the tree, you'll become like him. In other words, God's holding out on you. He, he's afraid that if you eat of that, you'll become like him. And then it goes on to say that Eve saw that the fruit was delicious to eat. She ate it, gave it to her husband, Adam. And both, all of a sudden at that moment, death came into the world. Shame came into the world. And, and that image was shattered. Now, Adam is just as culpable as Eve is. Because it says in the text that, that he sat there and watched her be tempted. And he didn't do anything about it. He didn't protect her. He didn't do anything. And so they were both culpable. And, and what happened from there is they started hiding from God. And when they had the shame that was on them that they weren't created with, with shame. Shame is the desire to cover up from, from God and from one another. Because if you really see me, you're not going to like what you see. If I'm vulnerable and open, then I'm not going to be accepted. And so they hide, and God comes to them in the garden, says, where are you? And of course, he knew where they were at. He was inviting them to reconciliation. And they, what did they do? They blamed one another. They blamed the devil. And we've been blaming one another ever since. That's just the way it is. So death and, and shame came in, into this world. We're born with dignity, but because of sin, we're born in depravity as well. It says in, in Romans chapter 5, therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man and, through, and death through sin, and in this way, death came to all people because all sinned. Now, go back to this image of, of being mirrors of God in bearing his image. Sin doesn't cause us to stop bearing his image. It breaks, it distorts it. Sin is not rightly at its, at its core, sin is, is not rightly reflecting or representing the image of God. It distorts how we see each other. It distorts how we see one another. It distorts how we see God and we forget. So I got a little object lesson for you here. Should I wear my glasses or not? I'm just kidding. I don't think I need to. I'm sure probably. Heard a little. When you see this, this mirror, it's, it's meant to reflect an image. I looked tired when I saw myself. It's meant to reflect an image. But I want you to have this mental picture of the broken image and what's happened It's a little hard to see myself. I still look tired, but that's part of it. That image has been shattered by sin. It's been shattered by, by shame and death and, and shame coming into this world. And so the important thing that I want you to get from this, broken people cannot fix themselves. Broken image bearers cannot fix themselves. Two broken image bearers can't be enough for one another. We need someone who is unbroken, someone whose the image is perfectly intact. We need someone to do something for us that we can't do for ourselves. And we'll stay spiraling out of control until we really understand why Jesus came into this world 
and what he came to set us free from. We need someone to restore and to repair the image of God within us. In comes our Savior. In comes Jesus. The third image I want you to write down is the full image. The full image. The original image, now the broken image, but let's talk about the full image. It says in Colossians 1.15, the Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. Jesus is the face of God. You want to know what God is like, you look at the person of Jesus Christ. How do you get to know the person of Jesus Christ? Well, he has four biographies recorded in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And you'll get to know who he is. And then as you continue to read in the New Testament, you get the fullness of the revelation of the person of Jesus Christ through the letters of the apostles about the historic Jesus, not some fairy tale made up person, but a real Jesus who came into this world. It says in Hebrews 1.3, the sun is the radiance of God's glory the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. Jesus made some amazing claims when he walked this earth. You'll read them in the Gospels. And Jesus um, one time said, when you've seen me, anyone who's seen me has seen the Father. When you, the people that were, he was dealing with, can you imagine somebody walking the street and saying, hey, when you've seen me, you've seen God? We'd go, you know, like this guy's nuts, cult leader or something. But not with Jesus, because he was God incarnate, God in the flesh. And so it's, it's important that, you know, have you ever, you've heard this phrase before, uh, man, that, you're the spitting image of your father. You might, you've heard that old phrase before, you're the spitting image of your mother. That means you look just like your father, you look just like your mother. And that's what Jesus is, the perfect image of his Father. we got to get this. So he's the perfect image and reflection. He's the perfect mirror of what God is like. When you, when you see Jesus, you see God. You see the perfect reflection of what God is. But this is the important part for us as broken image bearers, that he's also the perfect image of God in humanity. He's the perfect image of what an image bearer is to look like. That's what he came to do and to restore for us. He shows us what God is like. If you have any question what God is like, the only way you're going to find that answer is to know Jesus. If you want to know what we are supposed to be like as humans, then we need to also see that Jesus is the perfect prototype of humanity. So the last image I want you to write down is the restored image. The original image, the, re, um, the broken image, I should have had you say this for me, see if you're listening. The full image and the restored image. And guys, I want to be transparent with you. I've been kind of fired up for this message. And I'll be vulnerable with you. I'm kind of ner- I was kind of nervous because this is such a life message for me. Um, I've been kind of amped out because I so want you to get this. And I believe I want you to get it. How much more does God want you to get this? 
This can change your life if you understand what we're talking about. It can change how you see yourself and stop trying to find self-worth and self-esteem and purpose in things that don't amount to anything. But when you learn that your self-esteem, your significance, who you are, your purpose comes from Jesus, then life's completely different and whole. We just celebrated Christmas. Can you believe another Christmas has come and gone? That's nuts. And Jesus, when we celebrate Christmas, yeah, we celebrate the babe in the manger, but the babe in the manger grew up to be a man who was on a mission, on a, on a rescue mission to restore us, not just save us, but to restore us back to the image of God, to take this image and make it become this, where it's the full representation of the image of God and what God has for us. Sometimes people will say, and I know why we say these things, when you blow it or you're guilty of something and you go, hey, I'm only human, right? Who said that before? I'm raising my hand. Come on, you all have done that. Hey, I'm only human, man. Well, that's not necessarily true. I was thinking about this as I was pondering this, that if you're following Jesus, you're not, you're not only human, you are becoming human. You are becoming this instead of that. Please get that. That is our goal, is to, to be restored image bearers of God. So every time I'm selfish, every time I disobey, every time I don't believe God, every time I choose my will over his will, I, I'm, I'm, I'm still here. But when you and I give our, our lives to saying, God, restore me, repair me, I surrender my life to you, you're my purpose, then you're being little by little restored. Now, in this life, it's never going to be perfect. In the life to come, we are going to perfectly reflect God. Those that are trusting in Jesus, that give him the, the keys to their life over to him. It's interesting to me that when God created the, in, the, in the days of creation, all of creation was, let there be. Let there be light. Let there be the stars, etc. But when he came to, to human beings, he said, let us make. Let us fashion. And so he started this process of making humans. And that image was broken, but he's not stopping making man in his image. This is the wonderful thing. And the more you meditate on that God loves you, the more you meditate on how he created you and fashioned you with purpose, the more you'll begin to understand what this is all about. Some verses that I would encourage you to put to memory, but in Romans 8.29 that talk about this restoring the image of God, Romans 8.29, for God knew his people in advance and he chose them to become like his son. Let's say that together, to become like his son. That's his purpose for you, so that his son would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. Jesus, the prototype, the perfect image of God, and then us, the brothers and sisters. And then Ephesians 4, 21 through, 20, 21 through 24, Paul is reminding this church in Ephesus, these former pagan uh, folks about who they were in Jesus. He says, since you have heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him, throw off your old sinful nature 
and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. And sometimes when we hear the word holy, we just think of behavior modification. That is not what it means to be holy. To be holy is to become whole and to bear the image of God and be be cooperating with God in this restoring image to be like him. And then in Colossians 3, 9 through 10, the Apostle Paul writes, he says, since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the, the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge in the image of its creator. Man, it doesn't get any clearer than that. The original image, it's been broken. It's broken in us. And Jesus is the full image. And now it's being restored back to those that give their lives to Jesus. He's restoring us back to the life that he wants for us. So how do we live as image bearers? How do we cooperate, so to speak, with our creator? Two things. If Jesus is the full image of God, I need to learn how to think like Jesus. I need, how to, to, I need to learn how to think like Jesus. You've heard me say this before. Thoughts lead to feelings. Feelings lead to actions. Positive or neg- negative, good or bad, what goes into my mind determines my feelings. And as human beings, we're so much led by our, by our emotions, by our feelings, it leads to behavior. The important part of, of cooperating with our creator in, in this and learning to think like Jesus is to remember, and there's a promise in 1 Corinthians 2.16, we have the mind of Christ. If you're in Christ and you're following him, you have his mind. He's the creator of all things. He knows the beginning to the end. He's the all-wise God, and we have his mind. We have the mind of Christ. How do we nurture having the mind of Christ? Write this down. Prioritize your life around what's most important to Jesus. Prioritize your life, your day. What is most important to Jesus in my day? What's most important to Jesus in this month, in this year, and for the long scope of my life? When you prioritize your life around what's most important to him, you will have the mind of Christ. You will think like him. Because you might think to yourself, how do I do that? He's Jesus. I'm not. Man, we are his disciples. That's not just Christian speak to say we're disciples of Jesus. It, It means he's the teacher. It means we learn how to live from him. He gets to call the shots. But the beauty of letting Jesus call the shots in your life is you're going to have the full life. You're not going to have an easy life. Following Jesus does not make your life easier. It actually makes it kind of harder. But it's worth every, every ounce of our faith, every ounce of who we are to follow Jesus. In this thinking like Jesus, Romans 12, 2 says, Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Salvation, think of it this way. Salvation is God's restoration process. And it says in Philippians, he who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it. 
If God has begun the work in you, which I believe he has, he is going to not let any of us be unfinished. He's not like us in the garage with 20 unfinished projects sitting around the house. He's going to make sure that, that we're, we're finished. It, that, hear me on this. Don't limit salvation to not going to hell. Don't limit it to a get out of jail free card. That's not his intent. His intent was to come and give us life and life abundantly to the full in this life and in the life to come. So don't put off following Jesus. Give him the full reins of your life today and build your life on and around him and you'll experience what life is about. It's about becoming a full image bearer of God. Second thing in cooperating with our creator in this is then I learn how to think like Jesus and I learn how to act and speak like Jesus. This is discipleship. This is the goal of Novation Church is to take people who either don't know God or Jesus and become fully devoted followers of Jesus. That's our end goal. Spiritual growth is not something we do. It's something, it's our end goal is to grow and be full image bearers of God. It's not an add-on or something we do. We don't compartmentalize Jesus as part of our life. He's either all of your life or he's not any of it. And you're going to just stumble through life. But when you build everything you have on what he taught, what, who he is and what he did, then you'll, you'll begin to know what life is really about. Jesus said in John 15, 5, he said, I'm the vine, you're the branches. He's talking to his disciples. He says, if you remain in me or abide in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Then say it with me. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Nothing. Nada. Nada tostada. We can do nothing without him. And then, so what that means, his illustration is, he's the vine, we're the branches. To produce fruit, to have full life, we have to be connected to him. We have to maintain a, a living, active relationship with him through the scriptures, through prayer, through being together as the body of Christ, through sharing Jesus with a broken world. As we do that, we're remaining and abiding in him, and we'll learn how to act and speak like him as his disciples. You might be thinking to yourself, man, I, my life's a mess. I say the wrong things. My behavior I can't get over. Come back to this. Connect to him. Stay and abide in him. And it says in, I, I think these verses go hand in hand, Galatians 5.16. So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. The spirit and the flesh are in a tug of war. And there's a promise there that if we let the Holy Spirit have his way, we won't gratify the desires of the flesh. It's a promise, it's a command, and it's a choice. So I believe abiding in Jesus or remaining in Jesus and walking in the spirit are the same thing. When I'm abiding in Jesus, I'll be walking in the spirit. When I'm walking in the spirit, I'm abiding in Jesus. I'm drawing life from him. So there's this kind of natural pro progression, so to speak, of in, in our lives that when we, we, we're learning how to behave, learning how to live from Christ's perspective, ask yourself the question, what would be Jesus's perspective of any given subject? What would be Jesus's perspective of any given situation or circumstance in your life? 
Whatever it is, do that. What would he do in any situation? How would he treat the people that, that you're around? How would he treat your family, your friends, your coworkers, your neighbors? How would he act and speak? Um, this progression of walking in the Spirit leads me to a verse that I'm, I'm asking you to memorize this week if you don't have it memorized, because this sets the tone for the next several weeks. Today was just the kickoff of the heart of what does it mean to reflect God? What does it mean to be his image bearers? And it's Galatians 5:22 through 23. It's on your notes, so memorize it. We're going to say it next week out loud together. I won't call on you. Maybe I will. I don't know. But it's the fruit of the Spirit is what? It's love. It's joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. You ever see a, you know, a fruit tree? You ever see a fruit tree sitting there like this with its branches out? These are branches. I'm the tree. Kind of, kind of big trunk here. I get it. But do you ever see a fruit tree going, pop out orange, pop out apple. Come on, we can do this. Come on. That's what we try to do sometime in this. We think it's about us. Uh, I'm going to be more patient. Uh, Pray for patience and you're going to get an opportunity to exercise patience. Somebody will cut you off in traffic or whatever right as you leave church today. It's just a fact. And we don't produce, the fruit trees don't produce it by their, their will. They were made to produce fruit. It comes naturally. And when you and I abide in Jesus and walk in the Spirit, the fruit is going to be there of love, of joy. Man, are you, are you lacking love? Are you lacking joy? Are you lacking peace? Are you finding it hard to be kind? Well, all of these things are produced by the Spirit. And all of these fruits, this is where I'm going with this, all of these fruits bear the image of God. God is love. God is joy. God is peace. God is patient. And so we're going to look at these over the next several weeks of how we reflect the image of God through these fruits of the Spirit. I think we're going to have an amazing, life-changing time. We're going to go into communion this morning. I can't think of a better way to start a new year by by taking communion. If you're new to Jesus or you're investigating Jesus, why, why do we take communion? Well, Jesus told his disciples the night before he was crucified, he ate dinner with them. And he said that the bread represented his body that was going to be broken. And that the cup represented his blood that was going to be shed to free us from the power of sin and death and the devil. His very work on the cross brings freedom in that restoration process into the image of God. And so everyone in this room, we're to examine ourselves. It's not whether you're worthy to take this. We're all unworthy. It's by taking the bread and taking the cup, we're agreeing with God. God, I am in myself a broken image bearer. I'm a sinner. But you came to give me life. And the life is in your body that was broken and your blood that was shed. And you're saying, I trust you, Jesus. I want to follow you. I want to build my life on you.
It's not a religious ritual that we're doing. There's life in the faith that comes into to doing, taking communion together. So what we're going to do is, as a family, come up and, and get a piece of bread, take the cup, go back to your seat, and we'll take it together.
as we have the bread and we have the juice, would you just, with me, just tell Jesus right now, I give you my life. Lord, I give you my life. Tell him you're building your life on him and that you're trusting in him. Tell him you believe that his body was broken and his blood was shed for you. For forgiveness, for the promise of eternal life. Lord, I believe, I believe, I trust you. On the night he was betrayed, Jesus took bread and he broke it. He lifted it to heaven and he broke it. He blessed it. He told his disciples, he said, this represents my body that's going to be broken for you. Do take and eat in remembrance of me. Let's take the bread. the same manner after supper Jesus took a cup of wine and he lifted it to heaven and he blessed it and he told his disciples that that it represented the new covenant that he was going to be the sacrifice of sacrifices there would be no more need of sacrifice he was the sacrifice he said drink it in remembrance of me let's take the cup you would just put your hands out in front in a posture of, of receiving this morning. May God, who is rich in mercy, whose mercy endures forever, whose love is perfect, whose grace is overwhelmingly amazing, may his very life, may you recognize his very life in you as you bear the image of God, as we recognize the broken image, we realize today, may you realize today that that image is being restored by the perfect one, the full image of God. Jesus, we say this morning corporately, restore us. Produce the fruit of the Spirit. We trust you. We give you our fears. We give you our doubts struggles, Lord, we give them over to you. In Jesus' name, amen.